Point. Recollects. Stamkos. He scores! And the captain, Steven Stamkos, again. Very difficult for me when a guy doesn't want to be here at such a young age. And the amount of time we've poured into him to try to develop him, it's hard for me. I want to spend my time in developing the people that want to be here. Into the south, they score! Bobby Ryan! First goal of the season, Bobby Ryan in his first game. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Our Line Starts with Patrick Sharp and Anson Carter. I'm Catherine Tappen. Guys, good to see you. We're uh, getting ready for a big show, and of course, uh, we've had a couple of days now to watch the new NHL season get underway, and so many great storylines we've seen so much um, so far, and, and teams that maybe have surprised us in the early goings, but I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts as we're about a week into the regular season now. Well, I would say the Scotia North Division, KT, is the division that I think is going to be the toughest division, but I also think it's going to be the most interesting division. I watch a team like the Ottawa Senators with all the moves they've made in the offseason. Uh, Tim Stutzel looks like he's going to be the real player. Uh, he scored his first goal already. So Pierre Dorian's made a lot of additions to that hockey club that I think is going to make it really tough for teams to overlook the Ottawa Senators. And it's only a couple games into the season, but I still think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Anston. Like, everybody's writing off the Senators like they're just going to be a – a joke this season, but they've got some pieces that are getting better and better. Josh Norris, Drake Batherson look awesome right away. It is early. We'll see how it all plays out. For me, the biggest thing since the season started is just to really be excited to have these storylines to follow. It's been awesome to watch hockey every single night. Feels like the return to play. I know there's been some long shifts at the studio watching game after game, but not a whole lot of complaints from us. Um, I thought going into the season that the teams that were returning a lot of their players from last year, same coaching staff, same structure, they're going to pick up where they left off. And that seems to be the case just a few weeks into the season. Tampa, Carolina, the New York Islanders, teams that can just rely on their structure. They know how to play. There's not a whole big learning curve as far as those three teams goes. And then the West, teams like Vegas, Colorado, St. Louis, no surprise. Everybody knew they were going to be good, expected them to be good. Looks like they will be. So, those are the obvious ones that we are still early on in the season. These are basically exhibition preseason games for these guys. I know it counts in the standings, but it's first game action. A lot of these players have seen in a while. So I expect the hockey to get a little better and better as we go here throughout the season. Yeah, because, I mean, we talked last week on the podcast just about how, you know, you really have to get out of the gate running here in this shortened season. You can't have any lulls and you really have to be prepared right out of the start because teams are going to lose ground very quickly if they put together a couple losing streaks uh, early in the in the season here. Sharpie, I thought it was interesting you mentioned Tampa because it's incredible what they've done without Nikita Kucherov in the lineup so far. And you talk about the guys stepping up and playing big. I mean, is Tampa... Are they a favorite? I think they have to be. I think we got to give them that respect, KT, as the champs. Mm-hmm. Watching them in the playoffs, right when they were about to win the Stanley Cup, the three of us were on set. Jonesy was there as well, and we were talking about Conn Smythe Award, and we had about three or four guys on the Lightning that could have won it. It goes to Victor Hedman, could have went to Vasilevsky, Braden Point, Kucherov, were all eligible in my mind. 
Kucherov's out until playoffs. We know that, but Stamkos is back. Let's not forget that he didn't play really, except right. for that awesome yeah. goal in the playoffs. So there's kind of, I don't want to compare the two players, but one superstar out, another in, and this team is rolling. I know what it's like coming back to start a season after you just won the Stanley Cup. And I can tell you that every time I did it personally, there was huge confidence in myself, in my teammates. I look around the room and I realize, all right, a couple months ago, we were playing in the games of our life. And now we're just starting the season here. Uh, I can trust these guys that they're going to be there uh, when I need them to be. And when you look around at some of these other teams, Anson had mentioned Ottawa, you got a lot of new faces there, a lot of young guys trying to learn on the fly, probably a different feeling in that Ottawa Senators locker room than Tampa Bay. So yeah, I'm, I'm impressed with Tampa. It'll be something to watch all season long. Health is obviously an issue, but for me, they've got to be the favorite in the East. And Sharp, you know you don't win cups without having that depth. And Tampa Bay has it. They definitely have that depth. Not having Kucherov is a big loss for them, but you're right. Steven Stamkos didn't play in the postseason until he scored that huge goal. I think he's going to chip on his shoulder this year to prove that he adds more value to that team than people think, which he's the captain, and he deserves that respect. But they're going to get Kucherov back eventually, and they've won already before. So I think you're going to be the favorite to repeat until someone knocks you off that mountain, and they have big number 77, the most dominant defense in the National Hockey League. Victor Hedman eats up so much time on the ice. He's hard to play against. He's not overly physical, but he's just so smart. He uses angles, he uses that long reach, and it makes it so frustrating. When, he has, when you have him on the ice, plus you have Ryan McDonough, a 1B. He could be the number one defenseman in any team in the National Hockey League. So having Big Mac back there is critical for them, especially on the special teams, because he blocks so many shots and plays those hard minutes on the penalty kill. So, guys, knowing the importance of how – crucial each point is in these games and how we have a limited season. Now you look at teams that are struggling and you have to wonder like, how are they going to get back on track? And I'm talking about the Boston Bruins. We all broadcasted their game the other night. And I mean, this is a team that hasn't scored five on five yet. They have only scored special teams. They've got incredible talent up front. If anything, they were lacking defensively, which we thought coming into the season with Zidane Chara departing for Washington. But I mean, they're struggling Sharpie, your Blackhawks, I don't know what is going on there. The Oilers, you've got um, the Canucks also in trouble. So, you know, I'm just curious to get your guys' thoughts on how these teams can get going, knowing the urgency that this season brings. Well, these these are four-point games, KT. Uh, The Blackhawks, Sharpie's not going to say it, but the Blackhawks are done. (laughs) (laughs) don't have the captain. You don't have Jonathan Taves, who he still has some juice in that tank. We saw him in the postseason. He was a real force to the Blackhawks. They don't have Kirby Dock. Like, you know exactly why the New York Rangers didn't allow Alexi Lafreniere to participate in the World Junior Championships. First, he won last year dominating for Team Canada. But B, he's a pro. The New Jersey Devils didn't allow Jack Hughes to play in the World Junior Championships either because now he's a pro. I understand why Kirby Dock wouldn't put on that jersey representing your country have done it several times it's a tremendous feeling and it's unfortunate he got hurt but this is a year of development he's not going to be able to have under his wing because he's hurt right now so I think the Blackhawks actually caught a break they could now really rebuild and tank without officially saying to their fans we're trying to tank and try to put a competitive team on the ice yeah I I'm, I'm it hurts me to say it but the Hawks are in rough shape and I heard the announcement that they're going to let the young guys play this offseason. That kind of put a hitch in my comeback a little bit there, guys. 
I don't think they're looking for a 39 year old beat up winger to, to join the young team. That they Not have, if you but, can't even uh, skate on rollerblades, Sharpie. I don't think they want you on the ice either. Yeah. I, I don't think I want to be out there on second thought, but you, know, you, you mentioned Kirby Dockants and that's the topic of conversation in Chicago these days. The, the fact that, that he wanted to go play on the junior team in Canada, he was going to be the captain uh, Stan Bowman and the Blackhawks were all behind it and, and wanted him to go get that experience. I love that decision, to be honest with you. I think it's the right move for a guy like Kirby. I, he lived with Brent Seabrook last season, which is right down the street from our place in Chicago, and spent a lot of time over in that house talking with Kirby. And I asked him last season when he was a rookie, like, hey, it's pretty cool you're 18 years old in the show, but a part of you want to be a part of that world junior team that just won gold. This was last season. Uh, and he, he, he said, yeah, I wish I could have played in it. It would have been cool. I you know, grew up watching that tournament, wanted to be on the big stage. All of his peers were playing in a tournament. So I think it was a good first step for Kirby to, to raise his hand and say, hey, the NHL's not going on. Let me go train with these guys for six, eight weeks. Let's not forget that. He got some good competition in. Brutal that he breaks his wrist in the preseason game of the tournament. He looked great all camp, playing against his own buddies there in Team Canada. He was playing great in that first period. Now he's out for what looks like the entire regular season. So I guess if there's a silver lining, it's a short season. And if all things go the way they hope they go, we're going to be back talking hockey in October, November next year. Who knows? But that's not that far uh, for Kirby to rehab. He did get a lot of ice time in. He's a big piece of that team going forward in Chicago. But, yeah, that's got to be a tough feeling going to the rink every day. There's no Taves. Seabrook's gone. Crawford's gone. Sod's playing in in Colorado, there's not a whole lot of guys left from those Stanley Cup days in Chicago. It might be a long season for the fellas. Sharps on TV. I mean, you forgot the most important <laughs> piece of those Stanley Cup champions. Right. Teams. That's right. Host <laughs> of skiing in Switzerland somewhere. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> the, key, the key parts are gone. Uh, what about the Boston Bruins, you guys? Because we had a chance to broadcast their game the other night. And I mean, this is concerning I think because it wasn't expected that this team would start out this way and struggle to score goals I mean this is a yeah. team bad Marchand hit the post 17 seconds in it's not like it's a lack of chances so Ace if you're the Bruins you're Bruce Cassidy what's the biggest message for the team right now to get going you know what I'm trying not to panic KT but if it's 82 game schedule you wouldn't be but 56 games each of these games are four point games mm-hmm. that's the importance of every one of these games you're playing everyone in your own division and we send the broadcast, no Tory Krug. That's going to initially hurt their power play because Tory Krug really generating a lot of the offense from that point position on the power play and not having Pasta there, David Pasta or not, that's another weapon that you don't have also. But when players are out, it gives you other opportunities for other players. Young forward, Trent Frederick, he might not be in the power play, but he's going to impose his will physically on the opposition, being that tough physical forward to play against. Anders Bjork, who I watched Anders play at Notre Dame for years, he's going to take that next step now in his development. He has all the skill in the world. It's about having that light bulb eventually turn on. And when that happens, I think he could be an effective forward up front for the Boston Bruins. But it always comes back to the usual suspects. You've got Brad Marchand, who I think will take more of an even bigger leadership position because Big Z is no longer in the lineup. And the captain, the man they call Patrice Bergeron, I think he has to be even more effective. Like, we don't look at Bergeron to be that player that's going to get 100 points for you. He'll never be that guy. But he has to be the player that can facilitate along with David Krejci down the middle and try to create more offense while looking for other young guys to elevate their game. Yeah, it's, it's early for the Bruins. Um, 
I trust the big guys. I think Marshawn, Bergeron, and Pasternak, when he does get back in the lineup, are going to be just fine. I wonder how it feels in that locker room these days, to be quite honest with you. When you got a mainstay like Zidane Chara, who's just gone, forget what he brings on the ice. It's, it's everything off the ice, not seeing him in his locker room. It's just a staple of that team. It may take some time to adjust and, and kind of refocus and, and find their identity, whatever it may be this year. It's a different team, a lot of returning faces, but you got to got to apply a new system every single season. You look at the division that they're in. Yeah. I mean, they're in the toughest division in hockey, if you ask me, guys. I, we go down through every single team has got a chance. You can look at New Jersey, and, and I know expectations aren't that high for them, but they've shown that they can play uh, in the early part of the season. You don't want to let things slide too much further if you're the Boston Bruins, and we're talking about things four to six games into the season. It's a sprint. You want to maintain that playoff position, stay healthy, and, and find your groove, and they're a team that's still kind of trying to do that right now. Sharpie, I can tell you one thing, though, too. After playing in Boston myself and having played with Ray Bork, and Bubba was there for 20 years, and when he left, he went to Colorado, it was almost like a breath of fresh air. Not to say that he was bringing down the room, but he had such a presence, such a stature in the room. Like, he was Ray Bork, a Hall of Famer, one of the best defensemen of all time, that we knew he was our leader. But once he left, all the other players had said to themselves, well, listen, this is our chance now to fill that void as individuals and try to lead this team and take a greater piece of this team now, ownership of this team now that Bubba's no longer there. So I would think the guys in the room would think of this as an opportunity to try to, you know, show the team that their leaders also and not just have to rely on, you know, big number 33, who's no longer in the lineup. Yeah, the guy that comes to mind when you say that is Charlie McAvoy, to be quite honest with you. Bergeron, Marshawn, they're going to continue to do their thing. But now on the back end, you're looking who's going to be that number one defenseman. McAvoy's got to be penciled in as the guy. It'll be cool to see how he takes a step going forward. Uh, he's going to play a lot of minutes. Uh, you'll probably see the power play first team at some point, although grizzlick has been doing that to start the season. But McAvoy's a guy for me that's got to grow into that role. Mm -hmm. Poor Boston, this whole city. They, they see Tom Brady leaving the offseason. Big Z leaves. Mookie Betts left, left shortly there uh, before that. So... Oh, the years of winning championships in Boston might be coming to an end with those big superstars leaving. All right, let's shift our attention to, speak of superstars, Ace, I know you were pretty vocal the other night on the broadcast about the situation going on in Columbus right now with Pierre-Luc Dubois. This is a bit perplexing, and it's interesting because following our broadcast the other night, I was looking in my Twitter feed, and there were some fans from Columbus that were chiming in on the conversation with tagging you and I in there talking about, hey, you know, this guy's been here. He hasn't shown up. He's not pleasant to listen to in the media interviews. There's a reason that he wants out and we want him out. And I found it really interesting that some of the fans are actually on the side of John Tortorella in this situation. So what do you foresee happening with this rift between the Columbus Blue Jackets and their superstar player wanting out of town? I mean, what is going to happen here as we continue to monitor this story moving forward? Of course, I expect the fans to be on Torts' side. He's their coach. And here's a player, P.L. Dubois, that wants out. So fans are going to take it personally. And I would be a little bit offended if the fans didn't take it personally. I'd be offended if Jarmo Kekalani, the general manager, and John Tortorella didn't take it personally that guys don't want to be a part of that organization. My problem I had with it was P.L. Dubois wanted to keep it private. And he didn't want to talk about it. And we all have these laughs. We giggle. We crack up when Torts comes in the post-game press conferences after a loss and says, next question, next question. I don't want to talk about it. But now all of a sudden, you want to talk about a player's situation, try to embarrass him when he said he didn't want to talk about it. And when I reached out to the Columbus Blue Jackets 
for comment on it because I want to get both sides of the story. They said it's an internal matter. Well, okay, you want to keep it internal, but your coaching staff wants to put this guy out there all the time. And you can't say you want to keep him on a short leash. He's your number one center. Mm-hmm. So players around the league are asking themselves, what's happening in Columbus right now? Because I played there, KT. Columbus is a fabulous place to play. If you're a young guy, Ohio State's there. I don't want to pump Ohio State's tires too much. I went to Michigan State, Big Ten guy. But you have a lot of young students around you that it could be fun playing as a young guy. And if you're an older guy and you're married, you've got kids, it's a great place for a family. It's safe. Traffic is non-existent. So there's a lot of positive things about being a Columbus Blue Jacket, but they have to look inside themselves and ask themselves, why don't guys want to stick around here? And Columbus is in the same scenario as Winnipeg. Okay, they drafted well. They developed well. They're not getting free agents to come. They've got to make a point to try to create this environment that guys want to stay long-term. Got to be frustrating for everybody in Ohio, to be quite honest with you. Look at the makeup of their team. They've kind of built a hardworking, blue-collar type team that was really close to winning a few rounds in the playoffs. Last couple of years, they've been a really tough out. I love the way that they play, and, and Dubois kind of fits the mold of that team. He's not a perimeter-type player. He's big, he's strong, he's physical, got all the skills to score goals and make the plays, but he's, he's a hard-nosed type centerman that's going to check first and then do his offensive work later. That's, that's what Columbus has created there as an identity. And here we go again. It was a couple of years ago we are talking about Panarin and Bobrovsky and all the other guys leaving town, and they all left. And now we got the young – I mean, I'm looking at captains down the road for Columbus, and Seth Jones is there, Wierenski's there, Dubois. Can you not see him in the leadership group long term? And, you know, there you go, right? And now they're all – and he wants out. So I, I can see the frustration. I think it gets ugly here. Uh, this season, just wait until Dubois doesn't score for a couple of weeks. The team's losing games. Maybe Torres is in a bad mood and, and sparks something in the media. Everybody's waiting to jump on this story. The fact that Tortorella is involved, he's the best soundbite in our sport, in my opinion. Uh, it, it's going to explode at some point. I'm with you, Anson. I don't really like the fact that it's become public, but if I had to take a side, I'd take the team's side. Player wants out. Let's move him. Get him out of here. I, I, you don't need to be on, in the locker room. If you want to get traded and you want to move on, then, then get out of here. Exactly. I don't, I don't think they should sit around and wait on it. They should make – but you know what? You want to make the best deal possible. You don't want to just make a move just because you have to make a move because this could affect the franchise for the next 10 years. I think the problem with the Blue Jackets and some of these other teams think that, well, this guy's an RFA. He doesn't have any rights until he's a UFA, an unrestricted free agent. But that's not true. If you're an RFA, you still have the ability to talk to other teams if you don't have a contract. You might have less ability to move around without a compensation, but you're still a restricted free agent. The team doesn't completely own your rights if you don't have a contract. Yes, he signed a deal. That allows other teams to now know that there's some cost certainty in place, but Columbus and some of these other teams start thinking the players are, we own you, we own you, we own you, and you don't own the players. You have their rights, but it's restricted free agency, not the other way around. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... 
The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And what I've loved about this Columbus team over the last few years, you guys, is what we've seen from them in the postseason. I mean, they've really brought that city back to life. They've they've been relevant in the playoffs. Uh, the team they faced the last two years, the Tampa Bay Lightning, certainly a team to look out for. They're going to face them again on Thursday night, which is always a fun rematch when you get Columbus and Tampa Bay. That game will be right on NBCSN, by the way. But it kind of makes me think about the um, the scenario of points, our friends over at PointsBet, and what they prognosticate is going to happen here in the central division and the odds of who's going to win it. Since we're talking about Tampa Bay and Columbus, let's take a look at those. So Tampa Bay uh, at plus plus one fifteen, and the Columbus blue jackets right now, plus a thousand. So you guys are the, the odds geniuses, right? Anson, you like to put a couple dollars down from time to time. I might have to prognosticate myself. I love when you put it up KT. You're on your A game right now, but I normally have those alligator arms, so I'm not a big better. I'll leave this one up to Sharpie. I'll let Sharpie answer that one. Sharpie's been spending too much time with Jonesy on the betting situation. You got it, KT. He's That's who I'm going to defer to. I'm going to I'm going to talk to Senior there, Keith Jones, and and get his input. But in this division, as far as who I like the best, Tampa is uh, is my number one. I think Carolina can challenge. And they're a hungry young team that is still getting to the point where they're tasting success. So maybe they're hungry all season long. We don't know what Dallas looks like yet, which is interesting. Um, we know that they're going to have a good defensive team and they can score goals at key moments. But, but yeah, if I'm placing a bet, I'm probably not going near Detroit, Chicago, and, and maybe even Florida. It's a bit early to, to jump on the Panthers bandwagon. They got so many new faces. I got to watch them play a little bit longer as a group before I, I put some money on them. I'd probably look at Columbus, to be honest with you. Like they get some good value there with the bet. And who knows if, if Tampa takes their foot off the gas at some point, uh, maybe there's injuries across the division. Why not Columbus blue jackets? And, you know, there's a lot of attention uh, in Columbus these days with Dubois. So maybe that's uh, that fuels some, some intensity for those guys all year. All right. I think it all, it all is predicated I think, on that trade too, Sharpie, if they keep them for the full season, um, how they manage that, is going to really indicate how the, the Columbus Blue Jackets play, or if they make a trade, who they get back in return. But I'm with you, too. I like Tampa Bay, and I like Carolina. Those are my two big dogs in that division. Okay. I can think of about 31 other teams that would want to make a trade for Pierre-Luc Dubois. <laughs> He's that good of a player. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, to be continued, indeed. And, of course, as Ace mentioned, it's got to be a good return for Yarmo Kekalainen and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Ace, I'm with you. I'm not a betting personality. I keep uh, all my money under my mattress. So, But I am desperately trying to learn how this whole system works. So I've been working with our team behind the scenes at NBC Sports and those of us with a points bet. And I promise you guys I'll be better knowledgeable on the subject I'll have more knowledge on the subject as we move on. So I'm going to bet with Sharpie and Jonesy one of these days. Uh, I can bet that some of the new faces and the new teams that we've seen have been outstanding for their teams lately. And we, you know, we had the 
Buffalo Sabres the other night on the air and we saw Taylor Hall just it looks like he's seamlessly fit into this equation in Buffalo and perhaps because it's a one-year deal he's making eight million he knew signing here for one year would probably get him a contract elsewhere or that contract could come with the Buffalo Sabres maybe he decides this is the best fit with Eichel and Eric Stahl's up there and you've got Jeff Skinner and Sam Reinhart who we saw perform huge the other night I mean do you guys think this is a place that Taylor Hall would actually want to stay if he continues to perform perform to this level this rest of the season I do yeah I think it's potential long term for Taylor Hall I mean this gives a guy that's been bouncing around Mm -hmm. year after year it seems it wasn't too long ago he was scoring goals for the Edmonton Oilers since then he goes to New Jersey Arizona and here he is in Buffalo played on a great line with Eichel and Sam Reinhart there's everything you need on a top line right there and He's got a lot to prove. I know he likes the Buffalo Bills. He's been a longtime Bills fan. He's from the Toronto area, so it's not too far from home. There's a lot of positives there in Buffalo. Kevin Adams is putting some, some winners together, some, some guys that want to be a part of a winning team. That's really the start of, of kind of building that foundation. Jack Eichel, uh, let's not forget, he's in the same conversation as Matthews and McDavid. We don't talk about him quite nearly enough because Buffalo's been brutal for all these years, but they're starting to win some games, and Eichel looks like an even better, more confident player this year. Yeah, I, I could see Taylor Hall sticking around, and I can see Buffalo really challenging in that difficult East, East division to try to make the playoffs. It's tough that only four teams get to make it in that division. And Ace, a lot like Columbus, what you were talking about, this is actually a market that players really like staying in, uh, even though you know it can be cold up there. I mean, even when you talk to Bills players, they love it up there. I mean, Cole Beasley, who came from a lifelong, you know, career down in Dallas, warm weather. He's from Dallas. He goes up to Buffalo and absolutely loves it. So it's a place players like to retire to when they're done playing. We see that with guys up there. So, and for Taylor Hall, it's close enough to Toronto where he's from, where it's an easy access home. So this could actually be a really good fit. Well, you nailed it. All those points, KT, you're right. I mean, it's like you saw St. Louis and how they embraced their players and players retire there and it's helped the minor hockey system. There was same thing in Buffalo. Players love to play there. Guys retire there. You're right. It's a short drive up the 401, the freeway connecting Toronto and Buffalo. It's like an hour and a half drive. You could probably do it in an hour 15. It depends if the Ontario. <laughs> With you driving, drive. it's like an hour. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Or Jonesy's driver, if he's driving, it's like 45 minutes. <laughs> but it's, it's all the pieces in place for Taylor Hall to have success, playing with the number one centerman. But signing Taylor Hall bumps Jeff Skinner down the lineup, which maybe Jeff Skinner doesn't like as much because he's not playing with Jack Eichel, but it benefits people like. Curtis Lazar. Curtis Lazar had two goals last night. I mean, uh, that, that's that last game that we saw that we did with them. And it's going to help their depth because teams are going to load up. When you load up against Sam Reinhart, Jack Eichel, and Taylor Hall, someone else has to score at some point in your lineup. So that might open up opportunities. And now you've got Rasmus Dahlin in the back end who should take that next step. Everyone needs that number one defenseman. I just think that if Buffalo gets consistent goaltending, they have a chance. Can Carter Hutton be that guy? I'm not quite sure if he's that guy yet, but if he provides lights out goaltending KT, then Buffalo has a chance to be in that conversation because they have enough firepower up front to be in every single game offensively. You guys know where Carter Hutton's from? Let me yeah, guess. Bay, Thunder Bay, Bay Ontario. <laughs> we only you heard that it. 20 times on the broadcast the other night. Hey, I got to get it in every We need to get some time. representation from Scarborough. You right. got to talk to your Scarborough guys. <laughs> I need Tyler Toffoli to score a goal. What's he waiting for? Let's go. (laughs) Well, 
another new face on a new team that I've actually loved watching that he's having success right now is Bobby Ryan with the Detroit Red Wings. This is a player that won the Masterton Trophy last year. He has been so vocal uh, about his alcohol abuse issues and the troubles and the struggles that he's had over the years. He took a leave of absence from the NHL, came back and here he is now after getting bought out by the Ottawa Senators he's making his impact felt for the Detroit Red Wings it's almost like a rejuvenation for him a chance to really play well and show what he's capable of I remember when I was working at Nesson way back 100 years ago and Bobby Ryan had been drafted by the Anaheim Ducks and was playing for the Portland Pirates at the time and I mean this guy was the player to watch he was so much fun he was so talented he is talented he's battled some injuries over the years but you know, are you guys feeling as great about watching Bobby Ryan be successful in Detroit uh, as I feel? Yeah, it's been a good start for him, and it's fun to watch him skating around out there. He looks good in those uniforms. Detroit's a team that's going to take a huge leap in the standings this year as far as I'm concerned. I don't think they were as bad as those numbers showed last year. They actually got some pieces that are going to be around for a while. As far as Bobby Ryan, I remember seeing him at he must have been 13, 14 years old training at the Philadelphia Flyers uh, practice facility in Bordeaux. Yeah, another reason I love him. He's a Jersey kid. There you go. <laughs> I was a rookie back then. I was 20, and they had this kid out there, this guy skating around, toe dragging all these NHL players. I asked, uh, what round was he drafted in? And he's like, oh, no, this kid's only 13. It's, uh, it's Bobby Ryan. And sure enough, he makes the NHL years later, and he's had a great career. It's been an up and down road for Bobby Ryan, but you root for guys like that. The one thing I remember about him is he's an awesome guy. Great person to talk to, a really kind person, and I'm happy to see him get off to a good start. Um, it is interesting in the first couple of weeks of the season seeing all these guys with different jerseys on. Joe Thornton wearing 97 in blue for the Toronto Maple Leafs is a bit weird for me. Uh, Chara, of course, Petrangelo in Vegas, and Tori Krug um, in St. Louis looks weird. But there's a guy, a new face in a new place that I think is going to fit right in, is that's Mike Hoffman in St. Louis. He, he's just getting started, missed the first couple of games of the season, but He's kind of insulated there in a secondary scoring role. And this is a guy that's going to snipe whenever given the opportunity. He's going to play the power play with some pretty good players. He's going to hide on that second line, get some favorable matchups. And I wouldn't be shocked if Hoffman really cashes in on that one-year deal and scores a ton of goals. Well, you'll get the opportunity, Sharpie, with Tarasenko uh, not being in there. So that's going to provide tons of opportunities. I, I've always been a big fan of the St. Louis Blues. I, I think if we didn't have that pause last year, I picked the St. Louis Blues to repeat. And that's how good they are. And that's how strong I felt about their team. But I just want to circle back to Bobby Ryan again. Uh, he, he's a great, great individual. You want to talk about persistence? You know, guys have complained about all the obstacles they've had to overcome. And players have given up. Not Bobby Ryan. He's stuck with it. He signed the big ticket in Ottawa. He's under a lot of scrutiny. Whenever you sign for a big contract in Canada, everyone's all over you. Because everyone and their grandmother and their grandfather – think they could have played the National Hockey League in Canada. They're one knee injury away from playing the National Hockey League. So I, I love seeing Bobby just sticking with it. He's had unfortunate hand issues, but the game that we watched against Columbus, he's out there throwing hands, throwing runs and us. <laughs> and I, took, I had to like hold my breath a little bit because those hands are silky smooth as shooting the puck. And I don't want to see Bobby Ryan throwing right to left, but he's never been afraid to throw down if he has to. So it's great watching him wear that, that wing wheel in Detroit. And I wish he has a successful season this year. 
Yeah, we all do indeed. Ace, um, before we go, I just want to kind of circle back on, we had such a great day on Monday celebrating Martin Luther King Day. We had stories throughout the entire broadcast. And so much of that was a testament to the work that you've done behind the scenes to really highlight the importance of making hockey an all-inclusive game. You had a great conversation with Willie O'Ree. And I'm just curious to get your thoughts, like what's been the most eye-opening moment for you through all these conversations you've had and all the great people you've had an opportunity to talk to and share those stories with has anything really resonated with you personally yeah I think what Kim and I always talk about in our conversation this being a movement not a moment uh, that's what's really resonated with me we have everyone across the whole hockey community that's buying in and understand that this is a good time for us to reflect and really change the way the game is is looked upon from the BIPOC community and women now we have so many different people that are just all on board and it's not going to take one or two people, KT. It's a group of people. It's going to take broadcasters, media partners, sponsors, everyone pulling on the rope. And we, we have that now. I think we have everything going the right direction. And it's as a result of the hard work that's been put in the leadership group of the Executive Inclusion Council. Because we all know nothing happens without owners buy-in. I don't care what anyone says. I've been involved in professional hockey for a long time. If the owners aren't on board, the commissioner is not on board, the deputy commissioner, Don Fear, the PA – then nothing's going to happen. So we're seeing now the trickle-down effect of women getting hired now in the game, Jamie getting hired in Chicago as their president of business operations. You've got Valerie in Philadelphia, the president of business operations there of the Philadelphia Flyers. Javier Gutierrez, the first Latino CEO president. So we're seeing these changes, which I think is going to benefit the game. You know, not long ago, people were saying, well, we can't have Europeans play this game. And Russians were seen as selfish. Swedes were seen as being afraid. And we all know that was, wasn't true. But look at Alex Ovechkin now scoring all these goals. Nick Lindstrom, one of the best defensive in NHL history. We have a better game because of it. So I'm just pretty proud and fortunate to be part of the NHL community. I'm just lucky to be working like, with people like yourself and Sharpie that are tremendous allies. And, you know, we got a lot of work ahead of us, but I think we've got a good team that we've assembled. Yeah, no question. A great team. And Ace, we just appreciate that you let us ride your shoulders every night, you know, on the <laughs> broadcast. So, the, <laughs> so thank you. You also have the best Zoom background today. Anybody watching the podcast, uh, you're like p- perfectly positioned in between the curtains and the TV. And well done, Ace. Cross the door nicely behind you. As long as they don't talk about six foot inch goaltenders. <laughs> That's <they're> gonna- right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right all right guys it's been fun uh always a pleasure to be with you guys and uh off, we're off and running on a great season looking forward to more games and more podcasts as well let's awesome. go see you guys <laughs>